Good morning, everyone. Happy Friday. Thank God it's Friday. You're listening to Sidebar with John Duran here on the new channel Q. Actually, I guess we're not new, are we still? We're six months new. We're still new. We're technically in our first year. We're still new, right, Jason? Yeah, I consider it new still. We're, we're still Why new. Not? We're still new. <laughs> Adding more cities. You know, good morning or good afternoon to Miami and D.C. and New York and Boston and uh, Denver and uh, all the new cities that are joining our network of LGBT listeners and our allies all over this country to talk about issues. And uh, my show, uh, we here, we f- feature uh, the history, culture, politics, and health issues of the LGBT community. So let me tell you our lineup for the day. We got three segments on every show. Our first segment, uh, it is International Women's Day today. So we're starting out with... Uh, Two of my favorite women, uh, Diane Abbott and Bernadette Abruzzi, uh, lesbian wives. I actually wed them to one another some time ago. Been together 25 years. And I thought it's always been fascinating to me how lesbian women have had to juggle the multiple task of you know running a business, staying afloat, raising children, taking care of aging parents, and still look spectacular while doing it. So we'll be focusing on those uh, larger issues for uh, women. And then our second segment... We're having uh, Brandon Neifel on. Brandon was on the show Finding Prince Charming. Uh, he, uh, I think the first place winner was Eric, and I'm blanking on Eric's last name right now. But Brandon was the first runner-up, and he has been doing a lot of work about body dysmorphia about gay men who are so obsessed with having the perfect body that they're starving themselves and they're developing eating disorders and all sorts of other body image issues and how that is just unhealthy for us guys. So Brandon Knieffo will be uh, here talking about that. And then our third segment and the final segment of the show, we are having Los Angeles Council Member Mitch O'Farrell, who will be calling in from Los Angeles City Hall. He just passed a uh, ban on plastic straws because he got tired of seeing straws all over the oceans and roadsides here in uh, Southern California. And uh, he's also been uh, involved with going to Tijuana, to the border, to check in on people seeking asylum, LGBT people seeking asylum, trying to come into the great state of California from Central and South America and other places, and of, of course being stopped by the Trump administration. He's got some eyewitness testimony to tell us about all that. So that is our lineup for today, and I just want to start out by talking just a moment about Girl Scout cookies. And I want everybody this weekend to pledge to go out and buy Girl Scout cookies from Little Girl Scouts. And why am I saying this? Because believe it or not, the right wing has decided that they are targeting Girl Scout cookies because AOC, uh, our congresswoman from New York, the amazing Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, was a Girl Scout. And they have decided that it's the Girl Scouts to blame for her being an empowered superstar in the U.S. Congress. And they're calling for a national boycott of Girl Scout cookies. You know, I, I think the right wing from time to time, they just lose their mind and common sense. So, you know what? If you see those little Girl Scouts on the corner with their lemonade-like stand selling Girl Scout cookies, I want you to pick up a box of each one and empower those girls to be entrepreneurs and be young women of commerce and future members of Congress and uh, support them uh, because I can't believe the right wing is... Uh, they actually 
actually said that International Women's Day started as a tool of communist Russia. I'm reading from their website. And then globalists at the UN endorsed it, and the Girl Scouts support women rights, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was a Girl Scout. Therefore, we need to boy scout, uh, boycott Girl Scout cookies. That is their logic. That is insane. And uh, I think in order to counteract that, we all need to get out and buy Girl Scout cookies and empower young girls and women uh, this weekend. And uh, that's a really good all-American thing to do. So International Women's Day, we are celebrating women all over the world. Obviously, the November elections were very telling for us on the impact of women in the November elections, the empowerment of the first and returning Speaker of the House, Congress Member Nancy Pelosi from the great state of California, San Francisco. And of course, the number of historic fresh women in the U.S. Congress who have been really taking the lead um, of... Uh, of, uh, uh, of the hearings in Washington, D.C., on everything from uh, the oversight of the Trump administration to Michael Cohen and uh, taking the lead on that testimony. And uh, we are really seeing a lot of these brand new members of Congress, young women who are just rocking the house in Washington, D.C. But, you know, the story doesn't end there because there's women all over the world challenging old ideas and old hierarchies uh, and uh, moving the ball down the field for women's equality all over the globe. So we are celebrating all the women around the world you know, from your mother, my mother, our mothers and grandmothers, to our daughters and our sisters and our friends who are women. And that's why I've got two women topping off the beginning of the show to start today. And as we get moving into spring, you know, we are into 40 days of Lent. I don't know about you all. I did not get my ashes on Wednesday. It was Ash Wednesday. I failed failed. Jason, did you get your ashes? I did not, but educate us a little bit. What, what is Ash Wednesday? <laughs> okay, it's a Catholic thing. It, they, they put ashes on your forehead and they make a crucifix and they say, remember that thou art dust and to dust thou shalt return. Reminding each one of us of our mortality. It's a very somber. It's a very somber day. Wow. But the day before Ash Wednesday is Fat Tuesday which means Mardi Gras in New Orleans and all hey. over the world. Yeah, so it's like the last party, Mardi Gras, before Ash Wednesday begins, 40 days of fasting or giving up something. Maybe that'll be the question of the day for each of my guests. What are they giving up for Lent? Even if you're not Catholic, what are you giving up? That'd be really interesting. Yeah, what am really I? Really interesting. I have to think about what I'm giving up, maybe putting my foot in my mouth. That would be <laughs> something new and novel for me to do for the next 40 days to avoid putting foot into mouth. Um, Diane, who is in the studio early, she just passed me a note to tell me that the Girl, St Girl Scouts recently adopted a policy of including trans girls in the Girl Scouts of America, which is really cool. You know, the GSA, they've always been a bit more progressive than the Boy Scouts of America. Uh, the Boy Scouts, they're coming along, too. Um, actually, we met one of the leaders of the Boy Scouts here in Los Angeles who has been moving that policy along as well. And uh, that's all signs of progress. But as we enter the Easter week, uh, I'm going to be heading out to Palm Springs uh, very soon because that's what all good homosexuals do in Southern California around Easter time. We do head to the desert, uh, not only to see the spectacular desert bloom because of all the rain we have been having, but it's also Dinosaur Weekend uh, in Palm Springs, which is the largest gathering of lesbians on the planet every year, uh, put on by the incredible Mariah Hansen, who has agreed to come on as a future guest here on Sidebar with John Duran. And of course, the annual White Party by Jeff 
Jeffrey Sanker, which also happens in Palm Springs in April. So uh, be heading out to Palm Springs to do a show. And, of course, interviewing uh, City Council Member Jeff Kors, an old friend of my family, uh, and a leading voice out there in the desert. So a big tribute to our friends in Palm Springs. We're off to a great start. Uh, we'll be back with our guests after this commercial break. Thank you for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Happy International Women's Day, everybody. We're starting out here with two of my favorite women. They're women from Brooklyn. Yay, Brooklyn in the house. Uh, Diane Abbott and Bernadette Abruzzi, wives, 25 years, business partners, lovers, poker players. Bernadette kicks my tail every time in poker. Every time. Not strip poker, obviously. Gay men and lesbians should never play strip poker together. But I get whipped every time by her. Excellent. And we're here today to talk about International Women's Day. If you don't know... Diane and Bernadette, uh, I can tell you a bit more about Diane, because I've known Diane a little bit longer. Uh, I was her law clerk back in 1984, but she is one of the godmothers of LGBT Los Angeles, came out in what, Diane, 1973? Yep. <laughs> 1973. Yeah, you were technically a criminal at the time, because homosexuality was criminalized in California in 1973. Yes, it was. And actually, the first political letter I ever wrote was to ask my local assembly member to please pa- pass the consensual adult law. Wow. So that you could go on and meet Bernadette and engage <laughs> in consensual adult activities. There you go. <laughs> and Bernadette, you came out, I think you told me, as a teenager in New York, yeah? Yes, I actually never came out. I was always a lesbian. There you go. You never had to come out. I never had to come out. Never had to deal with that. Yeah. So you're you're one of we call a gold star lesbian. Never yeah. had a male partner. Never... Yeah. And, and do not regret it. <laughs> That's right. Now, Diane, on the other hand, married a man, had two children, and uh, did the heterosexual thing for a little while, right? Yes, I did. And then left her husband, took her kids, and walked out into the world, and there were no LGBT organizations, there was no support for lesbian mothers, and you had to figure out how to sort of do it on your own. Yeah, it was a scary time. Well, tell us about it. Well, it's just what you said. There were no organizations, and so how do you find people who are like yourself? When you don't think there are many around, by the way. So um, there was a newspaper called Sister, and it talked about a group of women that were meeting in the church in Ocean Park. So I went, and I had no idea what a radical lesbian was. The meeting was very interesting. The thing that I found the most interesting, since my children are boys, 
was that they felt that all mothers with, boy, with boys should drown them like we drown kittens. <laughs> oh, that's a, well, and give them up. Oh, my God. That's a little radical. That's yes, a, a little bit of a radical idea. Jason and I both would have been drowned at birth. That's lovely. <laughs> so that, um, and so after that, of course, I... I was a lesbian mother. I was facing potential custody problems. I called the gay center. I said, I'm a lesbian mother. And the person who answered the phone said, what? What are you? <laughs> well, back then, the L- there wasn't even an LGBT center. It was just the gay center. And it was about STDs. This was before AIDS, before HIV. It was just about primarily services to gay men around sexually transmitted diseases, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I think the center at that time was about two, three years old. Yeah. Was it on Highland back then? No, it wasn't. It was on Olympic. Oh, wow. Oh, even precedes the Highland location. Wow. Yeah. So there you were, and you had your two kids, and you decided, you and your, I think, partner at the time, said, I go to law school and become lawyers. And then you started a lot of LGBT organizations. I did. I was really fortunate. First, I got into LA Now because they were running a uh, lesbian mothers group. So I met a couple of other women who were lesbian mothers. And then we started the first Lesbian and Sexuality Task Force of LA Now. And someone, my vice president in LA Now, invited me to an event honoring Sam Brown. There were all gay men there. Mm. And myself and Pat. And the men were starting the first political action committee dedicated to passing safe laws for gay and lesbian people. Well, it became the first LGBT political action committee in the country called MECLA, right? Anywhere. Municipal Elections Committee of Los Angeles, the very first in the country. Yes, a nice name. So if someone wrote a check, their accountant wouldn't know what... Mekla was. was. Yeah, it, it didn't exactly. say gay and lesbian. It just said Mekla. Mekla. Yeah, exactly. And now, okay, so you raised your two sons, and then you met Bernadette later, and then I think you actually, the two of you, helped raise your grandson for a period of time. We did. Now, Bernadette, what was that like? Because it's not your natural blood, not your natural grandson, and all of a sudden, here you are having to co-parent. It was probably eight of the best years of my life raising Nick. Oh, wow. It was great. I never had children. I never wanted to have children. Um, We had a special relationship. Nick felt I was more of a parent to him than anybody because I set strong boundaries for him. Mm. And he needed that. And it it was a wonderful experience. And at the same time, you two were running a business. So you're business partners and lovers and you're co parenting. And how do you do all that? I mean, I have trouble just with one dog and two houseplants, you know. Well, Diane and I really, besides being wives and partners, we started out as friends. Um, it was a great foundation, and we really, we spend a lot of time together, and we really enjoy it. Um, she is one of the nicest people I have ever known in my life. She's very patient. She's very kind, and I'm a little... Aggressive. Rambunctious. Yeah, I'm a little rambunctious, so we balance off beautifully, I think. Yeah, yeah. And now here you are, and I, I will share that listeners, uh, Diane's mother is 103. Almost. Almost 103 years old. So now you're taking care of an aging parent. Right? Aged. An aged, <laughs> not even aging. <laughs> like, like past shelf life. <laughs> Over 100 past the shelf life of normal life expectancy. So, I mean, that's like one more thing to handle. I I don't see how you keep all those balls up in the air at the same time. 
Well, the children are grown. True. So they're out now. Okay. okay. Other than holidays and poker games. Yeah. Holidays, poker games, dinners. Yeah. And if they and feel sick and they want mom to come over and bring hot soup. Really? David yes. and David at age forty something has mom bring soup over? Absolutely. Yes. That's a bit manipulative. I know David. David, if you're listening, you were just called out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't talk that often actually, even though there's a great bun. But when he's sick, Mom, Mom, I don't feel good. Now, what was it like for David and Dan, your two sons, because having two lesbian moms was not something that was shared naturally or normally in school. But, you know, when it came time to talk about what do your parents do, did they have to go through their own coming out process being children of lesbian mothers? They did. They talk about it now. When they, well, they were very young. So Dan was three and David was six. And for them, that was the life. After Mecla, um, and even before, we did a lot of we did a lot of conferences. Spoke before the National Psychological Association, and they always came. And they sat and they listened. Sometimes they came on the stage. Not that they said anything, but. This was their life. This is what they grew up with. However, school, I think, was challenging as they got older. Mm. When they were young, it was not. But as other children became aware and came over, it was, who do you tell? And how do you tell? Who do you trust? I'm curious. I mean, we have to go to commercial break in a second, but did, did they experience any homophobia directed at them because of who their mothers were? Yes, I... One one incident in particular. Okay, hold it because we got. I got a feeling it's going to be more than thirty seconds, right? Okay, all right. That's that's your bait, audience. So stay tuned after the commercial break. We're talking with Diane Abbott and Bernadette Bruzzi here on Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Endless Waterfall. That's Chris Williamson. Kids, if you don't know who she is, uh, Chris Williamson, very popular at all the women's music festivals in the 1970s and 80s, and she wrote that song, Changer and the Changed. Uh, Waterfall is the name of the title of the song. And uh, I've often used that song when I speak at LGBT rallies because getting involved with the LGBT movement, not only do you change the world, you end up being changed yourself in the process. Great song. Uh, Welcome back. We're talking to Diane Abbott and Bernadette Abruzzi, um, uh, lesbian moms, grandmas, 
caretakers, business owners, uh, et cetera, et cetera. We were just about to talk about uh, an incident that happened, I guess, with David or Dan when they came home from school before the commercial break. Yeah. So at that time, there was a house that was right next door to us, and it turned out she had children, the mother, that she did not want her children to play with my children. Because? Because, according to her, as she told my children, your mother is evil and she's going to hell. Because she's, she's a, a lesbian. lesbian. <laughs> Isn't Danny Thomas? That's I'm sorry. That's a line from the Golden Girls. <laughs> that's Lebanese Blanche, not lesbian. <laughs> that is amazing. Wow. And I bet how old was David at the time? He was probably around nine years old. Isn't that a nice thing to tell a nine-year-old? Your mother's going to hell. Well, yes, it is. <laughs> wow. Except that when their mother goes and talks to the woman and says, "Don't you ever." talk to my children again. If you have a problem with me, you need to come to me. So when we moved, Dan, who was then probably 12 years old, he went around to all the neighbors the day we were moving in. He introduced himself and he said, just so you know, my mom is a lesbian. (laughs) At 12? Wow. At 12. (laughs) Just so you know. In Danny Thomas? No. <laughs> All right, so I have a question now for Bernadette. So, Because I'm looking at the two of you, it's not television. But I've known you both good 25, 30 years, right? Diane tends to present a bit more on the effeminate side. Bernadette, you tend to present a little bit more on the tomboy side. So when you were growing up, did that, was that true? You were more of a tomboy in presentation? Than- well, I was a very big athlete. So I think that went with it. Yeah. And I don't think whether I was, <clears throat> excuse me, straight or gay, that might have changed. Hmm. But I did. I did. I was very, I remember saying to my mom, look at my muscles. Look at my muscles. And she said, girls aren't supposed to have muscles. Don't worry about it. You look fine. So, yes, I did. I do I do go more towards the... And you got picked first in sports. You're, ta- you're looking at a guy who got oh, picked last for yes, everything, I, I, right? I, so no, I, I got picked last. You got picked first for I everything. I got picked first, and I picked people like you last. Thank you. That's what I, I did. I appreciate that. I, was, <laughs> I have played ping pong with you. We but, have done some sports. Uh, and Yeah, I, I still come in last. You still okay, come let's in last. Let's not rub it in, okay? Okay. okay. I was <laughs> but picked first. did you ever experience any levels of homophobia because of your tomboyish appearance or because you were identified as a lesbian since you remember being a young? child or no because with that tomboy look you were perceived as a tough girl mm. so and nobody was gonna mess you got Brooklyn in your voice with too. a tough girl yeah and my mom who would be 104 right now was very supportive from the time I was 12 years old hmm. and so she wouldn't have anybody bully me or anybody in the family look at me like I was different right and so I had a very great childhood with my mom now, you guys have a, a business you co-own together that's in a very male-oriented world. It's in, in chemicals and automotive engine cleansing fluids and yes. things that I know nothing about. But I imagine you find yourselves in a world dominated by men and Republican men on White top of it. White male Republican men. And the two of you show up as two women lesbian business owners. And how's that? It's very hard. It, it's been a struggling business on and off. But I really feel that... Um, my lovely wife, who is all over the internet as like the biggest lesbian in the world. She is. When we do business with people in the Midwest and they Google her, we don't hear from them again. So wow. it, is, it has, in fact, a couple of years ago, she was going to change her name to A-B-B-O-T-T. 
And I said, you know, it's a little too late. Everybody knows you're a lesbian, and we do okay. We would be probably a much bigger, wealthier company, but you know what? We are who we are, and we don't deny it in the business world. Yeah, and I imagine straight women probably have some degree of being treated differently, too, even if they're not lesbians. It's women in the industry, not just Yeah, just, just women, women, not just lesbian just women, women, all women. Yeah. 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 That's changing, though. I, I, I'm going to say something completely like politically incorrect, but when I go to get a new car, who do I take? I take you, because I know nothing about V6, V8, V anything. I just want a cassette player. And they don't even make cassette players anymore in cars. The only time you didn't take me is when you came back with an orange car. <laughs> it was ruby red. At least I thought it was ruby red. I'm colorblind. What do I know? <laughs> well, that's amazing. So... Um, Juggling all these issues then, I mean, since I, I know we're coming down the last few minutes, if there are young women listening right now somewhere in this country, because you know, we're broadcasting in 15 media markets right now, teenage young lesbian girls or trans women or young women who are in college or just getting started, what advice would you give them? Become active. Feeling isolated and living in an environment where there is a great deal of homophobia, transphobia, you're gonna have a hard time feeling like you belong. The most wonderful thing about activism and making a difference is that you also make your best friends and your comfort level and your identity grows and grows and grows. And you can feel pride instead of shame. Find what is your passion you know, for me, there is my advocacy and there is my work. And I would tell you that they both have given me a great deal. So find, find your family, your family of choice. Find your passion in terms of your occupation. And then just go for it. Making a difference in this world makes a difference in you and you will be a very different person as a result of the it. The changer and the change, Chris Williamson. Bernadette, what would you add to that, if anything? Uh, just basically, just what Diane said, just to get active. Before I met Diane, I wasn't political at all, and now she comes home in the house and says, would you shut off MSNBC? You watch it all day long. I never thought I would hear those words from her. Uh, unfortunately, I'm some, one of those people who didn't vote very early in life, which I'm very sorry about. And now I've become very active and I like to join organizations. And like Diane said, just be who you are. Do not hide about it. You have to let people know what you are and who you are and you'll feel much better about yourself. Thank you, Bernadetta Bruzzi, Diane Abbott. Happy International Women's Day. Everybody buy Girl Scout cookies Yay! today. Thank right. you. All right. All right. We'll take a quick commercial break and then we're coming back with Brandon Knafel about body images and gay men. Uh, is that? Wait a minute. Who is that, Jason? Who's saying? Uh, 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 That's, pink. I mean, That's pink. Pink. Yep. Thank you. Of That's course, it. it's pink. Thank you, Brandon. We're here with Brandon Kniefel. Uh, if you don't know Brandon, if you saw the television show Finding Prince Charming, he was featured in that show. He broke his foot in the middle of the show. I was watching towards the end because I knew both you and Eric. I'm like, go guys, go guys. <laughs> and uh, so I know you came out of that show. And if you're anywhere near a computer, just Google Brandon Kniefel, K-N-E-E-F-E-L, and you'll see he is absolutely beautiful and stunning. Oh, yeah. thank you. you are. You're stunning. You're beautiful. 
And now you're doing this work uh, over an issue that I, th- I think a very serious concern to a lot of us, a lot of gay men who work overtime on the, finding the perfect body and the perfect abs and the perfect chest and the perfect everything and starving ourselves and not eating right and developing a lot of unhealthy behavior around body image. Absolutely. How did that start for you? Yeah, so I've been working at Breathe Life Healing Centers for over five years, and we specialize in dual diagnosis with eating disorders and substance use disorders, specifically with gay men. And we have a high population of gay men that are recovering from crystal meth addiction. Mm -hmm. And with that, we discovered that there's a lot of body dysmorphia that happens within these gay men because when you're using substances like stimulants, you're not eating, so you kind of trim down to a weight that you normally weren't used to, but you appreciate, especially if you were heavier before your addiction. Yeah. So we've been talking about these issues for over five years, just kind of in the confines of our own clinic. And one of my colleagues, Ashley Litwin, she's the director of nutrition for Breathe. She and I constantly go back and forth and we give each other feedback because she knows that I personally, as someone who suffered from substance use disorder and mental health issues, along with body dysmorphia, know personally what it's like to reach for and try to extend my mind to get that Adonis comp complex is what we call it oftentimes Mm. but the more formal term is uh, muscle dysmorphia and it's interesting because it's so prevalent especially in gay men because we have so much to compare to and we're out there trying to get men who look a certain way so we feel like we have to look a certain way in order to attain those relationships Mm -hmm. and you know it's often stemming from obviously deeper issues and uh surrounding our upbringings around feeling different or inadequate or even feeling bullied to be like even subconsciously thinking that okay i'm going to get big and strong and desirable and that will make me worthy and so it becomes an uh, outside job for an inside problem. And, you know, what I like to say is that the body is the first and, fi- and final expression of separation between people. So what I mean by that is it's kind of our way of saying I'm different and, and that can be in a good way meaning i'm special and therefore i should look a certain way or i'm different in the sense that i'm defective and i should just try to blend in and look like everyone else but either way that's still separation and our community often suffers from that because we're trying to manipulate our bodies to solve an emotional problem. Well, it's a classic Grimm's fairy tale of the ugly duckling. Right? Mm-hmm. The ugly duckling doesn't realize that uh, he's a swan and he's just trying to fit in and he's different than all the other little ducklings in the pond. And then as time goes on, what became his, in, what he thought was inferior becomes quite beautiful. But then what happens when the beautiful swan ends up 
going way over the line into narcissism, complete and total narcissism, or as you call it, an Adonis complex. Actually, I hadn't thought about that. But you're right. I mean, if you go to any of the gyms in West Hollywood, or I'm guessing anywhere in this country, there is an over-prevalence of gay and bisexual men who are working really hard on the outsides. Mm -hmm. You know, if I just get the right body shape, the right curves in the right places, or if I'm just leaned out here or there, then I'll be worth loving. Yeah, it's a if-only mentality. Yeah. You know, we can get to the point where, okay, I feel like my chest and my arms are where I want them to be. If only I could get rid of these love handles. If right. only my six pack could be an eight pack. Right. If only, if only, if only. So addressing emotional traumas that happened in our childhood, sometimes not an option because it's not in our consciousness. So we say, all right, what can I control? I can restrict my diet and I can obsess and focus on compulsively exercising, which a lot of people don't know. Excessively exercising is a form of purging, which falls under bulimia. So when we binge eat, and my personal story was for a long time, I would exercise, exercise, exercise just so I could go to the store afterwards and get a DiGiorno and Ben and & Jerry's and eat that at nighttime. Wow. But I would not eat to eat. I would eat at myself and I didn't know why. Like I would just shovel food down and for me personally, it was because I was either too activated or too depressed and I wasn't addressing those facts. It was to fill a void. Yeah, to fill Absolutely. a void, yeah. We gotta go to commercial break. This is great stuff. Maybe when we come back, we can talk about what the actual remedy is then, rather than dealing with the dysfunction. Thank you for tuning in here to Sidebar with John Duran on the new Channel Q. And again, I don't know who the artist is. All right, go ahead. Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars. All right, all right. Okay, guys. I know all you millennials are rolling your eyes. I'm over 50. Give me a break. Give me a break. I knew who Chris Williamson was earlier. All right, we're talking to Brandon Kniefel here. Um, he was one of the finalists in Finding Prince Charming, and he's always been my Prince Charming. He's Aww, really, really beautiful. Shucks. Yeah, you are. We were dealing with the problem in the first segment. Now maybe let's get into the solution a bit. Uh, people who have body dysmorphia or narcissism or uh, Adonis uh, complex mm-hmm. where, where what's the solution well true narcissism is untreatable as we know by our president, president. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Adonis complex is developed through um, a lot of Western societies uh, imaging and especially nowadays with social media such as Instagram, we see it all over the place and it develops a complex within us. But muscle dysmorphia, it it's not exactly a science as of right now. You know, the experts still haven't determined what causes it, but there are several treatment methods that we use at Breathe Life Healing Centers, such as therapy, you know, like CBT therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, just reprogramming your thoughts. And, you know, medication might suit people because they might be suffering from underlying anxiety because some people believe that muscle dysmorphia is linked to obsessive compulsive disorder. Mm, that makes because sense. Because it's a compulsion to exercise 
and it's an obsession with the mind regarding the way someone looks. But on a more like universal principles level, I would say for people who are seeking relief from, you know, this compare and despair idea, you know, pay attention to the way you feel when you're on social media. Be willing to, if you're not going to go off of social media based on the way you feel, a trick for me that's worked at the gyms is employing generosity of spirit when I see someone that I judge mm. in the gym. So what happens is um, if I see someone and I'm like, oh, they must be on steroids. That's why they look like that. Then I'm like, you know what? I bless them and I extend love to them. And for me, what that does is it heals my mind from any judgment and separation. You know you're quoting St. Thomas Aquinas right now. Are you aware of that? I am not aware of, of that. So the seven deadly sins, pride, anger, greed, gluttony, lust, envy, and sloth. Uh-huh. The pride, the sin of envy, which is what you're describing. Mm-hmm. The opposing virtue that St. Thomas Aquinas developed was generosity of spirit. Okay. The only way to be relieved of the sin of envy was to find something worthwhile, good, or believable in that other person that you believed and could express as a way to relieve yourself oh my of God. the sin of envy. That's exactly it. That's Thank exactly you for it. You're giving welcome. me the back. You're welcome. You are a historian. I was not alive when St. Thomas Aquinas was around, but yes. And of course, the other thing you're describing is the sin of gluttony. Mm-hmm. Gluttony, the opposite of gluttony is not abstinence. It's moderation. Right. It's a practice of moderation because to some degree, we want to have good health. Health. We want to eat right. We want to have some physical activity so mm-hmm. we don't become obese. Yeah. But it's trying to find that that balance. Right. At, uh, breathe. And in my personal life, I've adopted the idea that all foods fit because I think we cover um, some of our disorders or disordered thinking with healthism saying, oh, I just want to eat pure and clean foods. But that's a form of perfectionism that is actually not attainable. Hmm. So by saying all foods fit, it kind of lets us off the hook for a little bit and releases the anxiety. And for me, I like to be willing to not binge eat or willing to not go to the gym seven days a week, but also willing to let myself off the hook if I do have that cake and pizza and ice cream in one night, or if I compulsively just go exercise. Yeah. I want to turn to our heterosexual in studio. Jason. What's going on? Do you think straight dudes have the same sort of issues around body image? And oh, body of mis- course. Absolutely. I mean, you know, when I started working out at the gym, um, I wanted to, you know, fit the part of the buff man that, right, you know, right, the stereotypical right. buff man. Right. Um, and so I just worked out and worked out and kept doing it. And finally, I got to a point where I said, the size is good, but... This could be bigger. Mm-hmm. This could be bigger. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people in the gym just have that thought process where it's like, you know, yes, this is good, but it can always be better and it can always be bigger and it can always be, you know what I'm right. saying? So it never really ends. And you have to tell yourself at some point in your mind, OK, this is a good level. Be happy with what you have. And that's what I've told myself. And that's where I lie. On you know, that. with crystal meth, crystal meth is often a drug associated with sex with gay men. But with straight women, crystal meth is used as a diet drug. Mm-hmm. It's used as a diet drug to lean out. Right. You know, and I think the problem with crystal meth for gay men and others has been, you know, if I just do a lot of meth, I will get lean and cut. Right. And then they walk in and they look like somebody who just walked out of a concentration camp. It's like, you right. don't even know how bad you look. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Along with crystal meth some 
milder forms of what we call purging, because you're literally trying to purge your body of weight, is you know stimulants such as Adderall, Vyvanse, Ritalin. People abuse those because they know that it um, relieves the appetite and they're no longer craving like they used to. So we got less in a minute. Do you have a website or you have a place for people who want more information on all this to follow? Is Absolutely. To tell us about so, it. So uh, you can follow what I'm up to at brandonkneeful.com and you can look up Breathe Life Healing Centers if you are suffering from any of these topics that we're talking about and want to look for help. You know, I hope you'll come back and I hope you'll bring your colleague, the woman that I noticed on your uh, Twitter account. Absolutely. Maybe bring her back because this is an ongoing discussion I think we need to have in LGBT world and with our straight allies as well. Yeah, absolutely. I adore Brandon Kniefel. He's been awesome. When we come back after commercial break, we're going to be talking to Los Angeles City Council Member Mitch O'Farrell about the great environmental work he's doing. Thanks for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q. And we are graced because uh, my colleague from the district next door, Mitch O'Farrell, Los Angeles City Council member, one of our two out LGBT City Council members, is our next guest. And Jason, do we got Mitch O'Farrell on the line? I think we do. Mitch, you there? I am here. Hello. Hi, Hello. Mitch. Welcome to Channel Q and Sidebar with John Duran. Thank you so much, John. It's good to be here. Thanks oh, for having me. Thanks for joining us. So we, we want to talk about a few things this morning, if we mm-hmm. can. And one is you just initiated and led the, uh, the banning of straws, plastic straws in the city of Los Angeles. Tell us about it. So what we have is we have an ordinance in place uh, that goes beyond the California state law that was enacted earlier this year. Uh, The state of California being a coastal state, being a main source contributor to the gigantic plastic gyres floating around the Pacific Ocean, the size of the state of Alaska, contaminating marine life, harming our ocean. Um, I felt that the city of Los Angeles could take one step further. So the state law does this. It requires straws on demand only, at all restaurants, but it excludes fast food restaurants. So in Los Angeles, we adopted a straws upon demand for all food service operations. Even street vendors, restaurants, fast food drive throughs are not exempt. And that's the first piece. And we adopted that unanimously a couple of weeks ago. It'll go into a place in two more weeks. Actually, it'll go, it'll be a, go in place on Earth Day, the 22nd of April. But here's what I'm even more excited about. We're awaiting on a final report from our own Bureau of Sanitation, and those will uh, illustrate the terms on a complete phase-out of all plastic straws and stirrers and swizzles in the city of Los Angeles by 2021. That'll be a very definitive action, uh, and I think it's the step that we need to take as a coastal city. That That's amazing. You know, you and I both have to work, of course, with our local businesses and chambers of commerce. Yes. How did the Chamber of Commerce react to your proposal? We brought all of the businesses along. We even had McDonald's at my press conference last fall. They were standing with us because McDonald's Corporation are experimenting in different markets with biodegradable straws. Um, we've been working with Starbucks. So we've, been, we've brought environmental groups along and the restaurant industry. And we did that early on. Um, and the phase 
the phase out of plastic straws will allow anyone who's holding an inventory of plastic straws to deplete them completely. When Los Angeles takes this action, we have the bandwidth, we have the economy of scale. We can actually encourage manufacturers to be competitive in bringing to market straws that will be biodegradable uh, and will not last for hundreds of years and end up in the nostrils of sea turtles. So I'm very proud of this action, and we can influence other municipalities and even other coastal states. You know, West Hollywood, about a year and a half ago, we, we at least went to voluntary and trying to push our businesses to paper straws, because paper, paper straws are an example of biodegradable straws, mm-hmm. right? Correct. And they can be made from recycled products. Now, I had heard that there were some members of the uh, disability or, or handicapped communities that were pushing back. Did that, did that happen with your ordinance? That's why we're waiting, because we're working with uh, the, the groups representing the, the disabled community. Um, and so we think that we'll get to uh, a solution on that. I, I think it's going to be a fairly easy one. Uh, it'll, it'll, I think that if we will wait for the report, but I can imagine wherein uh, restaurants and food service establishments will be allowed to have a stash, if you will, of reusable plastic straws that they can give out when there is a need for someone to have that because of uh, physical capacity issues. I think that'll be a fairly easy one, and we'll continue working with the disabled community. You know, it's amazing to me that the coffee stirs, because I see those you know, at McDonald's, at Starbucks, at other places, yeah. and you know, you add a little cream, you add a little sugar to your coffee. It's, it's not like it takes you know an hour for sugar and cream to disperse in a cup of right. coffee. It takes right, and there are little wooden sticks that you can use yeah. that are byproducts from the you know lumber industry though you can also do biodegradable paper stirrers uh, there, there's so many different ways we can go you can do um, you can do stirrers and straws made out of pasta so I, I'm encouraged though John because I was at this swanky Hollywood event uh, last summer and uh, I had a little speaking part here and it's Hollywood and you know fancy parties happen or whatever events this was a fundraiser, but it was really nice. I was at this, uh, uh, this, the bar that was there, just getting soda water. <laughs> but the couple next to me, a young couple, when the bartender gave them their cocktails, and they, he started to put plastic stirs in them, they said, oh, no, 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 we don't, we don't do plastic. It's bad for the environment. And this was a young man and a young woman couple. And I thought, you know, there's hope for this world after all. Yeah, we can get there as a society to, to change. And the same with plastic. Bags. I mean, nothing more yes. heartbreaking than seeing a sea turtle thinking a plastic bag is a jellyfish oh, it's and, and awful. Trying, trying to eat it. I know, heartbreaking. Yeah, and, and so I think straws are just the first. Uh, we, we're bringing greater awareness to this overall issue of plastics in the ocean. And, you know, the state just proposed a law to ban all plastic products that are not recyclable by 2030. And I Uh, introduced a resolution supporting that position. That gives the industry 11 years to, uh, you know, pioneer new ways of packaging food and groceries and everything else. We can do it. We we just have to focus on it and give uh, private industry enough time uh, to to you know pioneer these new ways. Mitch, I got to ask you. I know you're in the middle of session right now with the LA Council. Do you have time to stick around for a second segment? Because I want to still talk about what's going on with LGBT migrants and your midnight stroll initiatives. But how much time you got this morning? I do. I have time to stick around for sure. Oh, awesome. Let's talk a bit then about uh, the Tijuana delegation and yes. LGBT migrants trying to cross the border at Mexico. Uh, t- tell our audience about that so uh, i led a delegation uh 
just late last month, uh, and it was a, a delegation of local nonprofits who have been going out there since the fall. And these partners are Salaf, Clinica Romero, El Rescate, Carasan, all of these organizations who have been in place in Los Angeles for decades now. Uh, and I felt it was important to, to go out and participate in helping everyone that we could who uh, these, these migrants and these, um, uh, these people waiting for, to get their asylum hearings, a lot of them are unaccompanied minors and a lot of them are LGBTQ community members. Um, and it was a real eye-opener in that while they are waiting for their asylum hearings, some of them are in, in very, very distressing situations. We visited an LGBTQ safe house, and then we visited uh, the only uh, relatively well-known uh, uh, shelter for mostly transgendered individuals. And uh, at each of those, we found some conditions that needed immediate improvement. First of all, even though it was Tijuana, it was very cold and windy and rainy down there when we were there. A lot of these places don't have heat or working appliances. So at one of them, we bought them a new stove because they didn't have a working stove to cook food on. And at another one, we bought a hot water heater because they had no hot water. And uh, some of those uh, at the, the one shelter are, are living with HIV and their health was compromised in some cases, and they were advised not to even take a bath unless they had warm water. So I thought, okay, this is just unacceptable. Um, and we brought Equality California with us. Rick Zber, uh came along, and we're organizing another delegation to go back down there in April and offer more assistance. That is such awesome news. we got to take a commercial break, but Mitch, hang on a bit. We want to have a bit more talk with you before you got to go back to your council duties. Sure. Hey, everybody, stay tuned for more with Councilmember Mitch O'Farrell from the City of Angels. You're listening to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q. In the comfort of strangers. We're talking with Councilmember Mitchell Farrell from the great city of Angels, city of Los Angeles. Mitch, welcome back to the show. Thanks, John. What is the Midnight Stroll? What is that? I, I love that you're asking about the Midnight Stroll. So this is another collaborative effort that started a little over two years ago now when the Asian Pacific AIDS Intervention Team, otherwise known as APAIT, they approached uh, us, the Los Angeles Police Department in Hollywood, um, and uh, the Wall of Los Memorias, the Los Angeles Transgender Advisory Council, all these groups, uh, and we're working with the mayor's office, uh, but the Midnight Stroll happens in my district, the 13th district, and we're, we're leading the effort and collaborating with these wonderful partners. We go once a month at midnight in an area that is has been you know, well known for uh, human sex workers who are oftentimes in the transgender community, some Sometimes uh, folks who come here uh, who don't even have English-speaking capabilities. And I, I would argue that this population is among our most vulnerable. And so we strive to offer these individuals a way up and a way out by providing 
outreach, case management, services, and beds so that they can uh, have a place to rest overnight. Uh, And it's been very successful. We've outreached to well over 500 individuals, and we have 30 homeless, transgender, and gender nonconforming individuals housed in emergency shelters now. We have since opened, working with the YWCA, a shelter in Hollywood for uh, homeless, formerly homeless women, uh, many of them transgendered individuals. Uh, And we are always now working into the annual budget funding to keep this program going. You know, we've got listeners listening right now in San Francisco, Chicago, New York, Boston, D.C., and Miami, all over the country listening to this. And I'm, I'm sure there are people, activists around the country thinking, hmm, maybe we should think about doing that for our urban center. Because I know we've had SWAP on, the Sex Workers uh, Protection Project, on my show now twice. Mm-hmm. And you're right. They're very vulnerable. And it, it's across uh, some very difficult issues. Not only are they asylum seekers often, but mm-hmm. Spanish-speaking. And then you put an overlay of crystal meth on top of that and you add in a little HIV and you've just got a social laboratory for despair and cruelty. You really do. All sorts of social ills. And John, this is a community that will exist at the margins invisible. And I think it's up to all of us who have knowledge of this to do our part um, and realizing that we all need to have empathy for one another because especially when you introduce addiction issues, we all know what that's like from family members or or individuals uh, who have been affected by addiction, what that can do to someone's life and their their very soul. Uh, So we're aware of this and that's why we want to bring all these partners, including the LAPD. They've been wonderful. Talk about a turnaround over the last 50 years. Uh, They have a whole unit devoted to the transgender community and work directly with our Transgender Advisory Council. Um, And in fact, John, what I want to tell your listeners as well is that uh, I introduced a measure that is now adopted by the city that is mandatory sensitivity training of all city employees specific to the transgender and non-binary community. It's guided by our own Transgender Advisory Council, not by me, but by people who speak the language, who have lived the life and the experience and can speak from a place of knowledge. Uh, And that is mandatory for the police, the fire department, and everyone else. And uh, we got funding for it this year, and we'll get funding for it again next year. It'll become part of all Los Angeles city employee training. That, that's amazing work, and congratulations on all these initiatives, Mitch. You're doing, you're doing God's good work out there in Hollywood. Thank you. We all are. You have been your whole life, and you know we're all in this together. Awesome. You know, is it too early to ask you about 2020? Have you endorsed anybody uh, for president yet? I haven't endorsed anyone, um, but I'm excited about the, the field that we have, the wide-open field, and I, and I hope that all of the, the candidates will save their fire for the main object uh, that we, we need to re- make sure he gets retired if he even lasts this term based on his criminal activity. Um, you know, everything we do, uh, there's an element of Trump. I mean, even going to Tijuana, Trump is violating our own Refugee Act of 1980. So virtually everything we're doing in California, and I would argue across the United States with his ridiculous uh, policy on trade that's harming farmers and these red state voters that put him into office, 
everyone needs to wise up about this this guy and and the criminal enterprise that is run out of the White House. Completely agree. The number one selling piñata in uh, Tijuana <laughs> is the Donald Trump piñata. I think I want to start having those at every LGBT event. I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mitch, I want to thank you for sake, taking some time out of your uh, busy schedule to be with us. I hope you'll come back because you're just doing such a fantastic job. And thank you to Tony Aranaga, your communications director, for setting this up. I sure will, John. Thank you so much and feel better. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. I, yeah, I got to talk about that. I haven't talked about that with my listeners. But yeah, I was in the yeah. hospital for a week and it really sucked. It really was bad. <laughs> yeah, well, you sound great and I and I uh, stay on the mend. All right. Thank you, Mitch. That's Mitchell Farrell from the 13th District Los Angeles City Council. Wow, that is just inspiring work. And, uh, you know, uh, prior to Mitch being in the 13th District, that district was represented by our now mayor, Eric Garcetti, uh, who got elected the same day I did in March of 2001. And, uh, you know, what Mitch was alluding to there, I didn't really discuss, but I, I ended up in Cedar sinai with blood clots a couple of weeks ago and missed one of my shows. And uh, I think most people know I've been uh, HIV positive for a very long time. And uh, one of the strange things that's happening for some people with HIV is there a correlation between clotting issues and uh, HIV and its treatment. And we don't completely understand it. But, uh, you know, I have a dear friend named Greg Willenborg, who was very dear to me, who we co-founded Equality California together back in 2000. And, and he sadly passed away last month of a blood clot, an unexpected blood clot. So they're very dangerous, and I guess if you're uh, if you're listening and you're HIV positive, just you, check your bleed time. I know it sounds funny, but uh, clotting uh, blood clots are an issue for those of us who are uh, you know living twenty plus years uh, with HIV, and it's important to get that in your blood lab work. Besides checking your kidneys, your liver, your pancreas, and all your other uh, vital organs, check your bleed time and uh, make sure that you don't have any unexpected expected clots developing anywhere because they can be fatal. They can cause stroke. They can cause premature death. And uh, it's just one of those additional issues we all have to uh, handle as we continue to work on HIV. But on the HIV front, how exciting is it that it appears that we now have not only a second person cured of HIV, but a third in Sweden. And there's a lot of great advancements happening uh, with bone marrow transplants and an enzyme called the CCR5, uh, which seems to naturally occur in a very small segment of the population, which prevents the HIV virus from having the ability to attach itself to a T cell and to replicate itself in its reproductive cycle naturally. There's a body defense that occurs in less than 1% of the population. It's called the CCR5 enzyme, and science is unlocked this and uh, it's hopeful for the future that all of the sacrifices that were made by act up chapters all across this country in the 1980s and those people who put their bodies on the line for those early scientific experiments with AZT and DDI and DDC and all these other alphabet soup drugs that were the beginning of the AIDS crisis in the mid 80s that uh, we're finally seeing some results 40 years later that we're actually finding people who are eliminating, not just suppressing the virus, but eliminating the virus. And that is good news. And hopefully the Trump administration doesn't decimate the science budget. Uh, we need science. We love science. 
Donald Trump, pay attention to science, whether it's, you know, interplanetary exploration or our oceans or our environment or health care uh, or lifting our people out of poverty. Science matters. It really does matter. All right. We are coming up to our next break here in the programming. I want to thank you all for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q. Welcome back, guys, for the end and closing of our show as we're getting ready to start the weekend here. I want to thank you for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q. What an amazing show we had today. First of all, again, a reminder, it's International Women's Day all over the world, and we're celebrating women all over the world and the great progress that they are making and that we are making with them in moving closer and closer to full equality and justice for women everywhere. And uh, if you didn't hear at the beginning of my show, the right wing has called for a boycott of Girl Scout cookies because they believe it's a socialist plot developed by the United Nations and Alexandria uh, AOC uh, Cortez, uh, well, she was a Girl Scout, therefore they believe it to be evil, Girl Scout cookies. So if you see Girl Scouts out this weekend, I want you to buy some of the mints and the lemon cookies, which are awesome, and uh, as many boxes of Girl Scout cookies as you can, supporting uh, girls and young women in uh, in their troops, because you know what? I, I love the Girl Scouts and always happy to help support them and give them all the money they need to develop uh, as, uh, you know, smart, intelligent, hardworking, diligent, persevering young girls and women to uh, have the full dignity and equality that, which they deserve. So it's not much. It's two bucks. Buy Girl Scout cookies. And those Thin Mints are so good. Uh, you see, oh Jason gosh. and I, we're showing our true colors. We're both loving those Thin Mints. We <laughs> could go through boxes of those, <laughs> I tell you. Me too. And then we had uh, Diane Abbott and Bertie Bruzzi on uh, talking about lesbian moms and, and all the work that they do to keep balance in their life. And then we got to hear all about balance from the incredible uh, Brandon Kniefel uh, and body dysmorphia among gay men where narcissism and Adonis complex take over uh, us living fuller, healthier lives with the proper body image uh, for ourselves and our friends. And and then finally hearing from council member uh, Mitchell Farrell uh, about about the city of Los Angeles and the great environmental efforts he's doing. So next week, March uh, 15th, you know, I've already lined up a couple of great guests. We're going to have Angela Briskelly from the June Mazer Archives coming by telling us all about the incredible lesbian herstory that's being put together at the June Mazer archives in the city of West Hollywood and gathering these archival mementos from all over the country to preserve our lesbian history here in this country. And, um, also have the incredible Mariah Hansen, uh, Mariah, a friend of mine from San Francisco, who started the Dinosaur Weekend many, many, many years ago because, you know, it's Easter time and that means the annual Dinosaur Conference in Palm Springs is happening. Big shout out to those of you listening at, in our Palm Springs uh, area. Um, you know Dinosaur Weekend's coming up, the largest gathering of women and lesbians in the country every year. 
there in the great city of Palm Springs. So look forward to having Mariah on so we can talk to her and hear about the history of creating uh, Dinosaur Weekend and where it's come from and where they are and where they're going to. So um, it should be a great show again next week uh, as well. Uh, It's always great doing this show. I got to tell you, I I love doing it and I love reflecting uh, from where we came because as Diane Abbott described when she came out in 1973, uh, homosexuality was in fact criminalized uh, and then uh, I met Diane uh, less than uh, 10 years later in 1984 I came out shortly after Diane in 1978 and then uh, met her in 84 and we've been friends ever since and so we've had the opportunity not only to uh, struggle in the trenches together uh, creating LGBT communities but to be major participants in developing the culture and uh, the early history of the community going from being criminals uh, to where we are today and it's been great to be not only an eyewitness to the changes but an active participant to making it happen like we heard from the song that the lovely Jason played Chris Williamson's Changer and the Changed Uh, often those of us that choose to get involved and to participate and to be part of changing attitudes and culture for LGBT people here in the US of A. Not only do we end up changing the culture, but we end up being changed ourselves in the process. And uh, I know when I first got involved with the community, all I wanted to do was dance. I just wanted to dance at Studio One. Uh, And um, we've come so much further along than all that. And it's been great to be a part of it. So uh, happy 40 days of Lent. I completely blanked, forgot to ask all my guests what they're giving up. I told you what I'm giving up. Putting my foot in my mouth is what I'm giving up for the next 40 days. Let's see how long I can go. I'm sure I will probably blow it by five o'clock today with uh, foot in mouth is tend I tend to do it, it just comes from having a very hyperactive mind I just can't help it if I got a thousand thoughts going on all at the same time but I want to thank you for tuning in to uh, Channel Q. It's going to be a very interesting month coming up because we know the Mueller report is still coming, winding down. Paul Manafort, uh, sadly, uh, sentenced to less than four years in prison for bank fraud, tax evasion, and basically uh, treasonous behavior against the United States. It's hard to believe he got less than four years when there are individuals who are serving 20 years or longer for federal drug offenses. But apparently federal drug offenses uh, rank higher in the sentencing guidelines than treason to your country, which to me is ludicrous and upside down. Drug offenses should see treatment uh, rather than punishment, uh, but that's that's just me and a whole lot of others of that agree. But um, more to come on, on the Washington, D.C., politics that are occurring and it is exciting to see at the same time the as mitch talked about the democratic field shaping up with at least five or six women uh in the primary one may end up becoming our democratic nominee of course bernie sanders is back in again could end up being bernie sanders it could end up being somebody that uh, none of us are that familiar with that's certainly what happened with bill clinton he was not the front runner when he jumped in the race he had a name recognition of a single digit something like eight percent as the governor of arkansas and went on to become the president of the united states so we never know i think what's important is what mitch o'farrell alluded to which is at some point we all need to gather around the same uh, person to make sure that trumpism has a very short four-year lifespan and 
nothing more. So have a great weekend. Uh, We'll see you all next week. Thank you for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran here on the new Channel Q.